Hello, Bethel fandom. Ugh. Ship portmanteau. And also, hello, people who maybe aren't in the fandom, because it's possible that some people who aren't are listening, given what it is that I'm posting today. Uh, I know I'm super off my schedule. I'm sorry about that. I kind of anticipated that, because last weekend I was at WISCON, and because I was at WISCON, I'm going to be able to kind of make up for screwing up my schedule and bring you a fuck ton of content. Um, today, I'm going to be giving you uh, one of the coolest panels I saw or was on this weekend. It was about uh, shipping without being a jerk. So kind of uh, relevant to, to us. Um, it was super fun. Um, I'm going to list the summary of it and like the names of the people who were on it when I do the um, summary for this post. And uh, it's sound quality is not awesome. I kind of apologize for that. Uh, obviously, I couldn't really cart my microphone to Wiscon. It's a USB and I only have my iPad and obviously that does not take USB input. Uh, so I was using the microphone on my iPad, which surprisingly isn't terrible. I thought it was going to be really bad, but really the only problem, at least with the panel, was that there was a ton of background noise. Uh, partly because the guest of honor speeches were still technically going on and also the tip tree award was being given out. And also, there was a super rowdy panel like next to us. I don't know what was going on in there, but they were having a really good time. So yeah, there, there's some background noise there. I think it's a little hard at a couple points to hear uh, the two panelists who are further down the table. And I think it's a little tough to hear some of the people who are talking in the audience, but I think you can, I think you can make it out. Uh, I just apologize in advance for the extreme differences, extreme and sudden differences in volume. Cause you know, it was really close to me and I was talking kind of loud. I, I, I did what I could in audacity. I think it's okay, but just in advance, I apologize. So I'm giving you that in the next couple of days, I'm going to be able to give you two roughly two hour conversations, I think, with uh, my not new, like I knew, I think I knew them both from Tumblr, uh, I at least definitely knew Amber, uh, writer, lover, psychopomp. Uh, Airy, Breath of Fresh Air, I think might be new to me, but uh, I, anyway, they were both great. And also my roommate Jason kind of popped in because he also has lots of Walking Dead feelings. So it's the four of us for at least part of the time. Uh, in the second conversation, which uh, I think I'm going to post after I post the first one because it happened chronologically after the first one, uh, Ari fell asleep because it was real, real late at night slash early in the morning. Uh, she had more sense than the other three of us and fell asleep. I don't know how she fell asleep when we were talking in the hotel room, but somehow she did. And uh, me and Jason and Amber sat up late and ate insomnia cookies and and i mean we kind of talked about the walking dead but we also kind of talked about everything and i got audibly drunk like i to be perfectly honest with you i did not remember the last half hour of that recording so i went back and listened to it and i was like okay i you can tell that i'm not sober but i'm also being super lucid compare it like you know relatively and i'm kind of proud of that but yeah, so, so you're getting the first two hours, which is just all of us talking kind of before the guest of honor speeches in the shipping panel, just about, you know, whatever. Mostly Walking Dead, but just kind of also about whatever. And then you get the really, really late at night conversation where, I mean, I don't think any of us were sober, but yeah, me. I don't, I don't think I say anything too scandalous. 
but I don't know, it's kind of funny. One of the reasons why I am giving you both of these, especially the really late at night, semi-drunk, actually drunk, in my case, conversation, is because you know that I have been screaming at you guys for fucking ever to come to Wiscon. And uh, in, in my Wiscon propaganda, I mean, it might be actually be a turnoff for some of you people, but as part of my Wiscon propaganda, I'm giving you a taste of the kinds of conversations that happen super late at night when you've been drinking at Wiscon. I mean, I think they're kind of common to all cons, but at least in my experience of cons, they're the best at Wiscon. Because Wiscon is the best of everything. So you're getting, you're getting a, an honest, unadulterated look at what that actually is like. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's fun. So I'm going to go ahead and get to the shipping panel. Uh, before I do that, I want to do my Patreon spiel. Uh, if you like this podcast, uh, if you want to help me keep it going, if you want to support me, if you want to help me cover some of the out-of-pocket costs that I accrue doing this, loud people across the driveway, again, neighbors, if you've been listening to this, you, you know and love my neighbors. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, if you want to help support this podcast, if you want to help support me, if you just want to be really, really awesome and you have the wherewithal to do so, uh, it's super cool if you go to my Patreon, which is linked at the top of my blog, it's dynamicsymmetry.tumblr.com, and you can kind of sign up to throw a couple bucks in my hat monthly, and it's awesome if you can do that. Uh, and if you don't want to do that, but you still, you know, have a couple of bucks to toss at me, you can go to keepsingingpodcast.wordpress.com and click on the little picture of the tip jar and send me like a one-time thing via PayPal. That's awesome too. And if you prefer not to do that or for whatever reason you can't, because I know money's really tight for a lot of us these days, just like spread the word, like reblog, tell people about it, um, because when more people listen to this, it's awesomer. And I want to thank the people who are already supporting me on Patreon. Uh, thank you, Ashley DeGroot, Dominica Quintana, who is new. Yeah, just just appeared like today. Super awesome. I hope I did not completely butcher that name. Uh, Aisha Bryant, Ambrosia Smith, Amber. I'd shout out Amber. You're awesome. Uh, Elise Erickson and Rebecca Aguilera. I love you guys so much. I also love you if you're just listening and not actually giving me money. But, you know, money's cool. Okay, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to go ahead and get to the panel. Uh, again, I apologize for the sound quality, but hopefully it's not too big of a problem. And I hope you guys really enjoy it. And I hope that it makes you want to come to Wiscon. See you on the flip side. I am a fanfic writer and also I write... Um, oh yeah, I write fanfic. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and um, I'm also a contributing editor to the group blog, uh, the group blog Lady Business, um, who does media we do media criticism from a intersectional feminist point of view. Um, and we have just gotten our second hero finalist um, for uh, best indie. So that's very fun. Um, and um, I've been in fandom for about 10 years. I've been fanish about things for a lot longer, but I've only really been active in fandom since 2005. Um, and um, when I got sucked into writing fan fiction by um, <laughs> my fifth replay of Final Fantasy X2. <laughs> 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 um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so uh, that's when I got involved really in the community. And um, I ship a lot. I, I have my ships and I have my OTPs, but I try to be a very ship and let ship person. But I also want to have sometimes conversations about things. And trying to find the balance between that is what got me interested in this panel. Uh, I'm Lee Hellman, not like the mayonnaise. Uh, they added an extra N to my name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I am uh, a 
writer and both write uh, fiction and nonfiction. I also um, am a fan of writer. Uh, I'm queer, asexual, trans. Um, I've been in fandom. About uh, maybe like 14 or 15 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought I was like, no decade, and I was like, that's not true. Um, oh dear. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I really kind of came away during uh, all kinds of stuff was happening over there. <laughs> I really kind of came of age during the uh, live journal, kind of the, the height of live journal. And um, then I was I lived abroad for five years and wasn't really doing fandom stuff and I came back and all of the platforms had changed and everything had suddenly <laughs> there were weird things. What's Tumblr? What's all this stuff? And so um, I've kind of been relearning fandom and, and trying to sort of re-engage with the ways in which mentalities towards fandom, towards fan entitlement, towards um, interactions between fans and creators, interactions among fans, and the ever volatile topics of shipping have evolved and, and changed, and, and also not changed, so it's good. Cool. I'm Sunny Moraine. Uh, I write professionally short fiction, mostly short fiction right now, some novels, a couple of novellas. I'm continually working on the novel that will be the novel, and I never quite seem to get there. Uh, but I come out of fandom. I feel like I basically learned how to write writing fan fiction. I left fan fiction for, uh, fandom for a while, and then I came roaring back into it a couple of years ago with Walking Dead fandom, and I've never recovered, and I keep trying to leave, and they just keep pulling me back in. And, I mean, I think that my little corner of it's real nice, but as a whole, I think it's a really fucking terrible fandom. And one of the reasons why I kind of thought this would be a cool panel to attend, if not beyond, is that the shipper wars in Walking Dead fandom are some of the ugliest and most pointless I have ever seen. Really? That's... They are toxic beyond toxic. But I don't just want to talk about that, obviously. But, you know, it's, it's an interesting overall general thing to discuss. Yeah. Um, I, too, do write some fan fiction. Um, mostly I'm just a voracious reader of it. Um, kind of to put my... I think all of us have been kind of in fandom about the, roughly the same amount of time here, sounds like. Though I do very uh, clearly remember my very first bout of Nerd Rage, which I think maybe my fandom was starting earlier. But that was because I read the uh, Wizard of Oz before I saw the movie at seven. And my seven-year-old self was not impressed with the movie. <laughs> and uh, very not... Nerd Rage. Serious Nerd Rage. Um, so... So let's kind of talk about uh, what shipping is, because shipping came into my lexicon a little late, um, because I didn't really... But the first time I heard shipping was, I think, during Avatar The Last Airbender? <laughs> and it, it was like, shipping? What the? Why? What? Are, oh, pairings. Okay. Fair. Okay. But then shipping became more of a thing. So what are your kind of experiences with coming to the... The culture of shipping is sort of the best way I have to to, to, have to say it because it's it's a very different fandom as a as a whole as a with the rise of the internet and the rise of all the online communities the shipping wars I think have become more of a part of fandom mm -hmm. which to me is a little strange mm -hmm. and new. Mm -hmm. Where did you guys start seeing the rise of that, and how do you think 
that that started. Shipping in general or shipping wars? Shipping wars. Mm. Oh, okay. God. Shipping, I, I mean, Kirk well, I mean, or... well, for me it was X-Files, but, but mm-hmm. yeah. I shipped things before I knew what that meant. Right, I mean, right. I, I think we most of us did. Thinking back on that, my first OTP was Elizabeth Wakefield, Nicholas Morrow, and the Sweet Halle, Valley High books. Yes. So, um... Uh, so that's, it's just something that I've always done, but the wars part of it, I don't... Because I I, I, there weren't... Were there, were there, you know, did people get into Kirk Spock versus Kirk Bones? I never got the sense that they ever did, did, did they? I think what, in my own kind of exploration of, of the topic, I think the kind of rise of prominent, of like... Mm, I don't want to use the term of the discourse, but because it's not, it was, it's now the discourse, but in the past, capital D, yeah, not capital D, <laughs> the same thing. Um, I think the rise of of um, shipper wars as part of kind of fandom identities um, came about when it. I think it has a lot of uh, overlap with like the culture of fans, fan and creator interaction. And the idea of, like, fans, um, and as all of us, I'm sure, have experienced, wanting to get behind a particular pairing and feeling like, um, especially with the rise of social media and the rise of kind of the the permeability of those barriers, it used to be like, well, there's the creators over here, and then there's all the fans over Mm -hmm. here. Um, The dirty dregs of society over here. (laughs) (laughs) But it's become much more permeable, right? So you have, um, I mean, even convention spaces, uh, social media, all these things, and the idea that fans and fandom can sway the creator to yeah. put in a ship you want to do, and I'm really specifically thinking, you're seeing it a lot more with queer ships now, right? Because there's mm-hmm. the idea that, oh, that sure. can actually become canon now, sort of. I mean, there's that's a whole other topic, but <laughs> the thing that I'm thinking of very specifically is the Harry Hermione versus Harry uh, mm-hmm. oh, Wars, yeah. Yeah. which I was not a part of, but yeah. I was a... Spectator, you know, <laughs> but it, but that the idea that if um, if people on either side, but um, as it became more and more clear that where what side you take on, and that it's a war rather than a kind of, you know, collective of well we're all on their ship of like well it's not going to happen except for maybe this one thing that's definitely going to happen. So oh, God, that's yeah. hmm. interesting. I think that makes a lot of sense. It it does because like I was in the Gundam Wing fandom and Gundam Wing fandom was a trash fire. <laughs> <laughs> we were a trash fire, but we weren't a trash fire about shipping wars, which is really strange because there were people who were very into those ships, but. It was kind of a, oh, you ship, yeah, that's a weird ship, sure, you go right <laughs> I mean, I, there was a, someone who collected, sh- who, who had, I swear, literally, literally 3,000 fix on, on his Geocities page, all of whom were like a page, like four pages, and he had the weirdest ships, he had like the Gundams having sex, and it was weird. <laughs> but like, there was no sure. sense that that was against the rules, I suppose? I, no sense of the ganging up on other people for their ships. More for whether or not they liked Rolino. Uh, <laughs> like I said, Gundam Wing was a trash fire. <laughs> and right, like how shipping wars though have developed, it's less right. so about like 
like there people will make arguments and I know I do, I know lots of people do, not to speak for anyone else but myself, but I certainly have ships that I have some ships that I'd be like, Yeah, definitely I'll talk about these and others that I'm like, Maybe I won't talk about these because Oh I'm definitely not talking about these. But if it hits a squick of mine. Well, but that yeah. what I mean is, that, like, there are things that I ship that I would not necessarily have, like, broad conversations about, because I'm sure that there are people who would be like, ooh. Um, and so rather than, I think, a moral, like, a moral judgment on that in terms of shipper wars, I think what it really comes down to is, like, winning canonicity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, winning the battle of, like, this is going to be canon. Yeah. And therefore, Which I'm is, right. That right is so... my choice. That is so weird to me. And in fact, I really only encountered... What, what the no, fuck is no. that? I only, I only... I first encountered that in Walking Dead fandom. And I think part of that was because I came back to it after 15 years kind of having no idea what was going on with the fandom anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's... it's I'm, I'll try not to go on and on because I have so many feelings. So shut me up if I'm like taking over <laughs> too much of this, really. But it's, it's, it is that weird... Really, I, I just love how you describe that. This mm-hmm. feeling that if you if you yell at the actual canon makers long enough, they'll listen to you. Likewise, fear. Where did they get that idea from? Likewise, fear. Likewise, fear on the part of the other of, of others in the fandom that that somehow that yelling will get through. Like like I, I shipped Errol and Beth, and Beth is dead, so this shouldn't even fucking matter anymore. But the Carol and, and Daryl people won't leave us alone. And I'm like, she's dead. You are less over it than I am. This point. <laughs> it's been two years, hung. Let it go. But but occasionally I'll get asks from like I from like little tiny, tiny fan people going, Do you think eventually they'll go ahead and put him with Carol because they want to make the Carol people happy? And I'm like, they don't give a fuck about those people. <laughs> like they don't want to make like this size of the fandom happy. Happy. They don't care about me. They don't care about you. They don't care about them. They care about the show they're fucking writing, and they care about the advertising and the advertising dollars. And we don't matter. Stop thinking we matter. (laughs) Where did you even get the idea that we matter? Do you have some some explanation for this? No, I do. I must add that anything involving creators and shipping and fandom and fan fiction really weirds me the fuck out because. I want my wall back. <laughs> it's kind I don't of... want that because, you know, what I do, what I read, is not at all relevant to whatever some showrunner does. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I read for me. I write right. for me. Right. It's about me and the people around me, not them. And I think that that ultimately, like, that's, yeah. I think a, a kind of. I don't know. Is it. Well, it's a idea, but it's also. I think the, this push to be like um, to win, validated, to win, to win, and to also to win. Be validated, yeah. Yeah. is this idea of like I think a, a sort of like a blessing of the gatekeepers, right? Like mm-hmm. it's the idea of like, well, I've I, I've. I've validated. Yeah. I've been yeah, allowed yeah. to kind of, which is something that I think a lot of people in some of the old guard are like, why? No, I don't want that. <laughs> right. Like, but, but it's become kind of, uh, in, some, in some circles, in modern fandom, it's become a moral imperative. And I think the first mm. time I, again, like I said, I really saw it was those kind of Harry Hermione, Harry Ginny shippers, but it has been going on and slowly going on the more and more those weird... It's so uncomfortable. The weird interactions between fans and creators are, which I'm not against. I think that they can be 
positive, but mm-hmm. they're but in the end, they should I, boundaries. But in the end, nothing I do will influence a creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it, it shouldn't. And what and what comes afterwards is what we do with it. It's That's why it's transformative. Yeah, it right, right. It depends on the creator yeah, and it, it depends on the yeah. fandom. Uh, my most one of my more active fandoms right now is um, Dragon Age. Um, and oh, okay, Bioware yeah. developers do yeah. interact with fans. They do take suggestions with fans. That they do take feedback from fans. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily going to make big changes, but like um, there was a trans character in the latest Dragon Age game, and they actually brought in, based on feedback, they brought in consultants to mm-hmm. talk about that character. And it still wasn't perfect, but it was a lot better than it could have been. Um, and, um, and But, you know, they've also they've brought in characters that they weren't necessarily going to continue forward because they were fan favorites. And so it's they it, it depends on their creators and it depends on the and, then, and that strikes me as slightly different, too, because that, to me, feels more like a relationship of you know, especially especially bringing in help writing a trans character, yeah, like I I want to make this a more welcoming space for you guys. I want I want to make you feel like you're but, represented in this yes. world, not you have some kind of entitlement to the thing. There's another reported case of a character who was not going to be a romance option, and then they made him one because there was fan like hey, you know. But at least he was just an option. They weren't but demanding not, that that be the no, character. That's true. Yeah, and it, so it is. It's not. It's not. It's the yeah. games with the choice. I think makes it a little bit different. Yeah, I just, I, I, yeah. I wanted to Right, that, that and that, that, those exceptions a, are interesting because yeah. they kind of yeah. call attention to the other stuff. And yeah. then there's a whole, uh, and there's also, I'm, I'm going to say one more thing about the, about the, the intersection between the, the way fans approach shipping and, um, and kind of, and, and, and the creators. And I think, I, I think we're kind of onto something in that the, the more we've got, the more we contact we have creators, the more people are like, no, my ship is going to be, is going to be canon. Because, like, uh, I don't know if any of you know about the Homestuck fandom. Mm. But the Homestuck fandom... I've heard things. Mm-hmm. I, heard, I heard stuff. Dark, dark things. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's done. It was all over the place for a while. It's done. It's never gone. I still see current fan the, 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 right. the canon is closed, but, I think. But the canon itself is, is closed. But the Homestuck, and I don't know how much folks... I'm going to kind of... A, do a very, very, very brief overview explanation of Homestuck, because if you don't know what Homestuck is, you don't have no idea what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Homestuck was a an interactive webcomic that sometimes veered into game territory um, that had, like, a bajillion updates. A bajillion updates. And it... And the, the story and the characters were influenced by the conversations fans had with the creator on the forums because he could make these really fast and he could interact and change the story on the fly with the, with the input he had from the fans. So the fans of it had opinions <laughs> and very strong opinions and they did have chances of seeing these things become canon and with the way Homestuck worked out there was also multiple universes that they had multiple ways of getting their things canon, um, which is one of the reasons, and the home would be in like a four-hour lecture. <laughs> really get into it. But that's one of the things I think that made the Homestuck fandom in particular, those shipping wars, take over the internet for a little bit. Interesting. Uh, if you were near the 14 to 17-year-old age bracket parts of the internet on Tumblr, you knew about the home stuck fandom shipping wars. They were bloody. <laughs> Before we do move on, I do want to just like uh, not on home stuck because I 
I'm too old for homestuck. I <laughs> saw things later and I was like, what is this? I decided to try and figure out what it was. To, and so I went back and I read. <laughs> I've seen some shit. And it was really interesting. And like I said, I have like a four hour thing that I could talk about with homestuck and the everyman, but I'm not going to do it because this is not that panel. Um. <laughs> Um, yes, oh, might be the only kind I've ever been to that didn't I see have a homesick panel. Um, but uh, so I think that actually what this conversation is about is about the intersections of fan engagement versus fan entitlement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's a really important thing to keep in mind when we're talking about mm-hmm. um, about shipping and about fandom in general. Is like, at what point is that line crossed? And at mm-hmm. what point? And and as things become more intensely popular, and as more people come into fandoms, at what point does their kind of reach a like, tipping point, critical mass point, where people start Not going, just going after the creators, yeah. but going after the other fans. And, right. Yeah, and, right. and, and also going, you know, not just, oh, I'd like to see this, or, oh, these are ways in which you can engage with representation better, these are mm-hmm. ways in which you could, like, here are some things that maybe you should consider, like... Critically analyzing in your in your media, whatever. To being disappointed to being, bitterly that your that your headcanon is, isn't canon. Yes. Yeah. To being yeah. that oh, I demand this specific thing. Yeah. For some sort of moral like knighthood fandom <laughs> to happen. So I think yeah. that's that's a good I think framework to yeah. And then you had a um, comment well, question. I was going well question actually. Um, do you think <clears throat> that you know the inclusion of a, of the <clears throat> bringing in of a consultant for making a better trans character for a dragon that having that publicly then to you know encourages a certain segment of the fandom to say well you catered to them mm. Mm, yeah yeah a little bit yeah um so i think i think that's kind of where fan engagement versus fan entitlement becomes kind of that's where it's kind of kind of a little bit imperative on the, especially something like Bioware, who is huge and has the has the resources to actually devote to setting some boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> they're owned by Electronic Arts. Yeah, so. right. Yeah. They're yeah. they're big enough. They have the ability to set some boundaries, um, and I think, I think as the, the. The fandoms of things cross that in engagement versus entitlement line more often. I think we're going to see kind of a regression a little bit about creators and creative companies maintaining that boundary like they did in like the 90s when mm. everyone was scared about being sued by the fans. Because mm-hmm. I think at some point, these sh- one, if, if these ship wars end up hurting the bottom line, because they can start to, I think that's when we're going to see um, either the fa- fandom as a whole is going to have to get a little better about policing the the people who will not stop harassing people, or the companies are going to step in and just sort of make that 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 line a lot more clear and a lot less crossable. It's interesting <laughs> to me that you mentioned harassment. I mean, that's 
getting back into fandom was so fucking weird, you guys. Because, yeah, it was sort of a, everybody's just lost. I'm, I'm sorry to be ableist for a second, but this is what I thought. Everybody's lost their goddamn minds. Um, it, it was the, the and this just shocked me when I heard it, even after I'd been exposed to not just Walking Dead fandom, but in all kinds of fandoms more and more with this sense of entitlement and really the sense of combativeness where it was not necessary. Some of the stuff this was causing, um, there are actors... Uh, there are Walking Dead actors who, like Norman, Norman Reedus who plays Daryl, and you know I ship him with Beth, and Beth, Beth's character is like half of his age, and he's been called a pedophile by the people who hate that ship, like people who have yeah. gone after him and called him a pedophile. Yeah, they go after the, they go after the actors. Yeah, yeah. There's it's a, very exciting. Another guy just had to. Another guy just had to completely destroy his social media presence because he was getting death yeah. threats because people didn't like his character. And this, I mean, it's not just distressing to me in terms of I, I. Why do we all have to fight? Why can't we all just love the stuff we love? <laughs> why can't we just love the stuff we love? But it's like it, it. It didn't occur to me, and it's really distressing to me to see stuff between us really break out and hurt. Yeah. You know, real. People who are really involved in this shit. I was actually. This is actually my second panel about not being about like liking things and not liking things without being, you know, a jerk about it. Um, and the other panel, it kind of came up that um, a lot of this becomes about identity. The things mm-hmm. that you yeah. like become a part of your identity. So if somebody's saying, you know, if 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 it's not, you know, the ship doesn't become canon, or I don't agree with your ship, I don't think it makes sense. You take people will then take that personally because they think it's because it's like. I'm saying I think that not just this thing you don't like, but you. This are is what wrong. you are. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. And yeah. I don't know how to. I mean, I don't know how to fight that besides you know trying to encourage people not to think that way. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that doesn't really work for a lot of the time. Yeah. And that's all we've got. Yeah. I know. So I think two things that I I think kind of feed into this. Well, one thing and then a, a different tangential thing. Um, I think again this shift in social media and how like social media mm-hmm. interaction happened. Yeah. yeah. Like how just like the culture that evolved not just the fandom culture but like the culture that evolved around like twitter and tumblr twitter specifically and this idea of like the idea of going after people in a specific way Mm -hmm. the idea of um going through years and years and past years of things to find um your your problematic receipts basically which is, on the one hand, like, that's a, that, uh, this is all very gray area stuff that we're talking about. So, like, on the one hand, there are definitely people who've done really shady stuff in the past, and that needs to be talked about. I mean, to, like, engage with those things. And there are creators who've done that. There are, you know, you know actors and whoever who've done that. And fans. And fans, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then there's also an idea of, like, we're all just kind of waiting to... We're all, we're all building people up as we've always done, onto this pedestal. And we're just waiting for that thing to come through that then we can just punch you down. Yep. Yeah. Um, and again, it happens not just with celebrities and not just with creators, but also with fans. And so I think that that whole mentality um, that goes beyond fandom and beyond shipping and beyond fandom is also obviously very permeated within fandom. So that's how we've kind of developed into interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. But I also think that... Um, we can't have discussions about uh, tensions and frictions within fandom and fandom shipping without really bringing kind of um, an intersectional lens to it and yeah. talking mm-hmm. about like yeah. the experiences of which 
I'm a white person, obviously. Um, so not obviously, but I'm a white person. <laughs> um, so the experiences of like fans of color and the experiences of, of characters of color and how they're treated within fandom yeah. and how they're treated within shipping. And how they're treated in shipping wars, right? Yep. And also, um, obviously, disabled characters and queer and trans, uh, canonical characters and stuff like that. So they're, I think it becomes, like, I'm always hesitant to be like, well, why can't we just get along? Because that often, like, I want, like, yes, we all should get along and we should not. But it's not that simple. Be, it's, it's, it's not, not that, that simple, simple and it often is used as a kind of way to brush yeah. away. Right. You know, real Actual can't we just be civil? Can't we just yes. all, yeah, yeah. stop, yeah, don't punch Nazis. <laughs> God, you're we just as bad Nazis. as the Nazis if you punch the Nazis. Punch I the Nazis. grew up on Indiana Jones, you need to punch the Nazis. <laughs> That's how that happened. I'm going to make a hard line. Let's punch the Nazis. Punch the Nazis. That's... Punching Nazis. <laughs> Cinema says punching Nazis is the way to go. <laughs> um, it's how we can all get along. It's how we can all get along by punching Nazis. Who doesn't want? Who doesn't want to be Indiana Jones? <laughs> I'm Indiana Jones. You gotta punch Nazis. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be Indiana Jones. Oh. <laughs> Why not? He has the cool hat. <laughs> Well, then we can be robber. Well, then we can be non-Hydra Captain America. He hurts my soul. He didn't know better. We can be non-Hydra Captain America. Yeah, yeah, non-Hydra Captain America. Yes. Yeah, we can be good Captain America. Exactly. Anyway. Way off track. Right. It's 10 at night. It is. It is. Come on. Yeah. One of the you mentioned Twitter and Tumblr, and I mm -hmm. really think that's a huge part of the problem. Yes, I mean that could be a whole other panel, but um, how the fact that you can't really have a conversation, not a productive one, on Twitter and Tumblr because it's a broadcast that Tumblr is a broadcast medium that people are trying to use like a private personal blog. Yes, yep. yes, yes, and yes, it is yes, not. Yes. It's not, and yes. it's not designed to be that, and it can't be. It that. can't be that. Mm -hmm. So I really wish we could forcibly drag everybody back to Dream With, but I know that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which Dream With and Live Journal had their own problems. Yes. Yes. No, they, they, they weren't. They, <laughs> absolutely. Perfect. they weren't perfect either. But at least yeah. you could have a private conversation. Yeah, you could, yeah. yeah and so at least at least Dream With yeah. isn't owned by you know by gay hating Russia. Russian people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true. Also true. So yeah, um, that. yeah I, I think part of it is the, well, and it's also, I have to sort of also say that part of this is, is that uh, it's for, a lot of it's 14-year-olds. I don't know about it's, you, but I was awful at 14. Yeah. <laughs> but I did not have the access to Tumblr at 14. I did not have access to Facebook. <laughs> I have, I had, I did not have access to LiveJournal at 14. If I said something really dumb, it was likely on Maybe it was on an AOL chat board that no one kept track of. Like, hmm. so I think, hmm. like, especially when, when I'm looking at people on Tumblr harassing other people, I'm like, how old are you? Yeah. Are you 15? Because yeah. things are really important at 15 that are not important. Well, that's true. I have known And adults. that makes me sad. I mean, I oh, heard, yeah. No, they're not makes there. me sad. I came into fandom in my early 30s. Mm -hmm. And I have known people my age and older who have just gotten really sucked into this stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. Some of the people wow. who've been but, ugliest. Know, I think part sorry, of it might be just yeah. being in the culture around that's like that, and you kind of mirror. It kind of poisons you, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. if if you hang around a bunch of fourteen-year-olds and you don't know they're fourteen, mm -hmm. so you start 
acting like part of the group. You, then you start acting the 30-year-old, then acting like a 14-year-old, and that's ugly. <laughs> some, of, some of the people who've called me a pedophile routinely uh, claim to have children. Yep. And it's like, I have no idea who you are, and I've never spoken to you, but apparently, like, you know me to that level, and also That's you have kids, so and I'm weird. super uncomfortable about this yeah. whole interaction yes. now. So how old is Beth? Beth is, well, the actress is over 30. Beth in canon is probably between 19 and 20 now. It's not pedophilia. Well, you see, we've had this conversation about 100 million times by now. I'm not going to understand the answer to this, youngest at this point, she's 18, and she's probably more like 1920, except she's fucking dead. (laughs) She got shot in the... I don't think she's dead. She got shot in the head. She's dead now. She's not dead. (laughs) This is completely off topic. This is completely off topic. Shut up. Shut up. The the bar is pretty low now. Generally, that conversation happens with massive age differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. No, but it still doesn't work. Massive age difference is not actually the same thing as pedophilia, guys. It's super not. Super not. Mythical feet, uh, mythical creatures, um, vampires, <laughs> right? Well, vampires, oh, immortal creatures falling angels. in love with mortals and then turning them immortal, too. Now, granted, Twilight is a little I creepy mean, for I a lot of reasons, but for a lot of I know, I know, I know, but, but like, that's something a lot of people point to in Twilight. <laughs> 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 That's true. That's true. Honestly, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I ship it. I ship it. (laughs) All right. You had a a question. You. Yes. Does not anymore. (laughs) Come on, Jason. All right. I don't want the rail because because this is shipping. What rail? I'm fascinated by how much this is mirroring the conversation about factionalizing in social media literally everywhere else as well. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah, yeah. So that every platform that's things are being discussed on in social media turns into ugly factions that where if you say something that disagrees, you're attacking. Yeah. 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 Well, and yeah. that's... You're not wrong. I have a thing to say about that. Just... That's all I got. <laughs> no, okay. No. So I actually saw... I actually read a really interesting article a month ago that I really wish I could find, but I don't have my phone, so mm-hmm. I can't tell you the name, the title, or, or who wrote it. But it was talking a little bit about how... Um, how the how discourse has changed since 9/11, and discourse online, and people who grew up, especially you know people who are who were, who were teenagers or growing up just before and after 9/11, where it was no you know after 9/11 discourse turned into a lot more faction. You are either with us or against us. That's really interesting. interesting. You're right. And though. but that's really when You're a lot right. of this really got ugly is about yeah. that point in time. Yeah. Because that's sort of. So, like, the kids are, you know, people who are kind of coming of age at that point in time, kind of learning how to discourse at that point in time. This article was talking about how at that point in time, suddenly the adults were all talking like, you're either with me or against me. Mm -hmm. So the people who are coming of age, people who are just of age, and people coming up behind them, that's what they were modeled as part of discourse, as part of people talking on television, as part of how their parents were talking and all that. So that's, I think, related to that. Yeah. And it's related to if you are with me or you're against me and there is no middle ground where we have a conversation. It's, it's either or. It's black or white. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's opposite. And it, it, it's opposites instead of 
conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that also, I mean, 2001, right, was that time when the internet was really coming mm-hmm. into, yep. like, mm-hmm. like, there was the internet before then, but, like, the, the internet... It wasn't like it is. The internet is if you are. ...widespread, and you also yeah. had, um, right, the, the power of a democratizing... Uh, Sorry, being distracted. The power of a democratizing um, platform like the internet is can do really great things and has done a lot of really great things, but it's also made everyone experts when everybody's mm-hmm. not an expert. You, yeah. It gives every mm-hmm. post that goes out kind of the same weight, even if it's not the same weight. We do read it and have that moment of like, oh, maybe this is as valid as this other, you know, like whatever, something from an expert in whatever field. Um, and that's also changed the way we think about discourse, as well as, and I think that this has happened specifically with um, the rise in clickbait, the rise in like mm-hmm. immediate, instant, like we got to get those those headlines that get you, those stories that get you, things that you're like, oh, shit, downfall of journalism. Right <laughs> um, what has come out of that, I think, is the really toxic nature of call-out culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which is not the same as critiquing or like calling call in culture which is mm-hmm. having those conversations respectfully but again I'm gonna dig so up the thing you said when you were 14 and I'm gonna tell everybody that yeah. that's how you still think and exactly. no one yeah. that's who you are now yeah, and, you're and never allowed to that, change your mind ever yep. yes. mm-hmm. and doing that in a way that is not meant in any way to facilitate discourse about anything mm-hmm. it's meant to mm-hmm. shame and to humiliate and much more so to make the poster feel good feel morally superior. It's yeah. Purity mm-hmm. politics yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 You are morally superior and pure and then everyone jumps on that bag way because nobody wants to be like, oh maybe I'm like not the pure gross one. And morally right. gross. So I think that that's a lot of stuff that's come out of it. I'm as well. also, I was thinking also that there's another turning point that's fandom specific and that's race fail. Um, yeah. I mean race fail was very necessary and it I, I would say more than it was I, I would say it's a po- of course for positive change but mm-hmm. we're still feeling a follow up from it and it was in what 2008 2009 um, and I think we're still navigating wow. everything Great. that, that so everything that um, all of the changes and realizations that that brought and combine that with the whole you know with us or against us mentality and the whole um, also, I think false balance and the, the mm-hmm. false yeah. balance and the yeah. media false equivalence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I really like the way all tying all the stuff together, bringing up the purity idea and bringing up the mm-hmm. or against this idea. I also want to bring up, and I, I think race ties into this as well. Political stuff ties into it as well. Is how much of those things are about power? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm as he was talking about how it's part of the wider discourse. I. Um, have recently, particularly since last fall, got involved in the local Democratic Party. I live in Virginia. We're having primaries, mm-hmm. and oh it's amazing to me how much preparation being involved in fandom wars was for some of the conversations that I've been having. <laughs> <laughs> and um, nice. I will tell you that a lot of these are with people who um, were adults after 9/11, so yeah, that's sure. not necessarily. But um, that that the fact that a lot of the subtext a lot of a lot of the arguments like there may be like something that that's in contention we actually have a um like sort of a small scale there's a guy who is running for a 
state legislative <laughs> office who has a sort of a thing where he had made some, he, or he, as people had screen caps some Facebook comments he had made that there were a, some pretty gross sexist and, and arguably racist jokes. He was arguing about the context of those. But um, so it was sort of like very similar to a fandom thing. And then people are like, oh, but this is only coming out because he's on this faction of the party and the person who called him out might be a secret Republican. You know, Wait, sorry, I'm just, I'm just curious. How old were these Facebook posts? Oh, were they, okay, so they were relatively yeah, recent. Yeah, it okay. Was, it okay. Wasn't, like, he was not a teacher, he's an right, adult. Right. This is something within the last couple of years. I think so I, far less excusable then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have, but I, I have like mixed feelings about it, but uh, it, uh, certainly the question, it sort of becomes the question of what he did, right. but also the question of who are the different people trying to get power from it. And we have even like more like legitimate things where people are arguing about issues, and you're like, okay, but do they really care about that issue? Yeah. Or is it about the fact that this particular candidate has is trying to win something that other? So I guess I just, but I don't want to like get this too much into politics. But I was wondering, like, if you could comment on like what are the power dynamics that are maybe at work mm-hmm. between fan mm-hmm. creators or between different groups of fans mm-hmm. that might be like whatever you're actually ostensibly arguing about, what is the argument really about? Can I, sorry, I'm, I'm always afraid no, of talking too much. If I, jump in. I, I love that you mentioned that because I've, mm-hmm. I have experienced the exact same thing and I'm guessing it's either you've observed it or you've experienced it too. Um, and it's weird because it's like they, they back you into a corner to the point where you can't call it out or mm-hmm. you can't fight back with them. Uh, at least something I've noticed in my fandom is, and it's very hard to prove it. You, cannot, you can't prove it. It's just something you get a very, very strong sense of given that you know who these people are and you know how they act. Um, them using social justice discourse. Mm-hmm to attack somebody mm-hmm. yep. and like and like creepily watching until somebody says just the wrong thing and then jumping all over them mm-hmm. and and I that's very uncomfortable because I mean very rightly you know what 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 we're all supposed to do is when somebody calls you on something that you said that was problematic or hurtful you listen and then you go okay I'm sorry that I hurt you I'll try and do better next time that's what we're all supposed to do mm-hmm. but when somebody starts using that as a way to attack you, they're using it cynically. They don't actually care about the thing that they're talking about. Or they may think they do, but they actually don't. And I hate that because it devalues the actual discourse. It means it's much more difficult to have useful conversations about that. And it's taking something that is supposed to fight oppressive power dynamics, that's really supposed to dismantle oppressive systems and, and engages, you know, help us to all engage in more constructive and more egalitarian forms of communication. And it twists the power in that around. And I, I, mm-hmm. I do not know how to deal with that. I, I, I am still at a complete, I hate it, but I don't know how to stop it. And I really feel what you're talking yeah. about. At least that's how I'm interpreting what you're talking about. I just want to clarify, when I mentioned the power dynamics race fail, I also think a lot of the problem is it wasn't, tr- and other things we've encountered here at WizCon, entrenched folks not wanting their sort of dominance. Yeah, that, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. To yeah. question yeah. whether they really, and then, yeah, so just, just sort of in, in general, like people who would 
maybe not have dived in on this particular issue, like even if they had maybe not great beliefs, they wouldn't have been yelling it all over the internet okay. if they didn't feel like that was sort of, that you're sort of fighting back. Right, um, right. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways showing your true colors, but, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's ultimately about not seeing people coming in to to your space mm-hmm. and questioning you. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. It almost doesn't matter what the question is. It's the fact that you're being questioned. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. I actually have a, a, a much... So, like, politics is sort of the big sphere, but I know... From personal experience, as sort of in this in a smaller sphere, I've had something very like that uh, happen. So I go to other conventions, and and the room party at other conventions are often not like the ones here. Um, you have them in your own hotel room. You invite people in. You have a party. It's great. Um, I run a room party at at, at Convergence, which is the Minneapolis convention. Uh, and one year, we were doing we were doing I think Saturday morning cartoons. It was our whole thing. We wore pajamas. There were pillows all over the floor. We had cereal. I was going to say, you have to have sugary cereal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sugary cereal all over the place. Um, and we, and my wife and I, um, were running the party. And there was these teenagers who decided that they were going to try and start having, very near having sex on our bed. That was not cool. We told them to leave. And they turned around, they turned around and said to my wife, well, you're just being a homo. You're just being homophobic. And my wife went, <laughs> "Okay, little children, come here. I have been looking at. I have been. I have been kissing girls since before you. You two were born. <laughs> Don't embarrass us in front of the other minorities. We're having a talk now. <laughs> and I think, writ large, that's kind of what the adults in the room may need to start doing to the folks trying to use those tactics. Be like." Mm-mm, we don't. We we're not embarrassing ourselves. Come here. Let's sit down. Let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I will lecture at you until we. You know. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be very slow because people like being lectured at. But I think if we come at from a, we are the same, but you are being an ass. Uh, <laughs> I think is. I think part of what we kind of have to take a harder line. Yeah. With folks trying to so do that. It's like a get your people. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Get your people. Watch after your people. And if they're being an ass. Take them and tell them they're being an ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a, at least for me, it's a little hard to, to draw that line because right. they're intentionally making it so hard for you to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think that we're talking about three things, actually. I think right. we're talking, one, about kids being kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't mean that pejoratively, really. Can you just it again, we were like, all assholes when we were 14. <laughs> and, and, like, it's, I get it, I get it. And we all have our 14-year-old moments. Yeah, we all, we all Lord knows that. But, so we're talking about that. Then we're talking about um, what I call, what I, what I term performative performative allyship, right. which is where you're doing something and you're jumping on bandwagons for purity points, um, mm-hmm. not with any actual interest in hashing out these really complex issues that you probably have to actually stay in your lane about or like have actual hard discussions mm-hmm. about or sit yeah. there and be like, oh, that sucks, like, yeah, I'm totally doing that and I don't know how to not do that, Ugh. Like, having those actual conversations, you're just doing it to kind of get those points and retain your mm-hmm. entrenched power, basically. Mm-hmm. And then we're talking about People, we're talking about abusers right, who are yes. in fandom and who are using, and this is yeah. not just fandom, people, abusers in activist activist circles, abusers in um, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, social justice circles who are using these covers um, as a way to continue perpetrating abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all three things are prominent and all three things are distinctive are distinct, and all three things are happening kind of at the same time. At the same time. time. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. And um, 
And you were mentioning about how social media democratizes all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and in a way, it's also flattening all of this together. <coughs> yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like yeah. A comment could be an abuser camouflaging, or a yeah. kid, or yeah. somebody working for the maturity. Or, or all three. Or all three. <laughs> yeah, all At the same time. <laughs> Why are people so complicated? <laughs> <laughs> and, that's part of the, and that's part of the issue with the, the snapback reaction of modern social media, right? You don't have that... Yeah. When it wasn't the instant replies, the right. instant reblogs, mm -hmm. the instant right. retweets, you had those moments, sort of. Not everybody did. <laughs> it was less widespread. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you had. I mean, you had like really intense, crazy, like intense old stories. Yeah, like oh, this person is twelve. When I was a teenager, if I if, yeah. if, my, if, if we wanted to say that that person was wrong, we made a whole web page to do it. <laughs> <laughs> We put up a GeoCities page in Twitter. It was pink. Later, here you go. Yes, and then we, then we just stewed. Yeah, we code. We did all the code by hand. Uphill both ways. Construction. Hey, JPEG. as well is yeah. that's what gets the attention of that point that you're trying to make so it's all about make it fast make it first it's like the weird evolution of like the first like first first like, yeah 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 video yeah well, yeah the platform thing too um you know back in the days of the journal sites where we had threaded conversations you could see the beginning the middle and the mm -hmm. end of the conversation mm -hmm. yeah. whereas also and the list, yeah. On mm -hmm. Twitter and Tumblr, you suddenly you can't. Have, you can't. You, yeah. you can see the middle of an argument. Right. But, but it's very know, fractured. You, see, you can it's see very that, fractured. You can see somebody has reblogged this original post. Somebody said something really terrible, and they they like got called on it, and they corrected themselves. But you'll never see that because the original mm -hmm. post is still making the rounds, and yeah. you don't know. And it will make the rounds forever. Have, and yeah. Purposely decontextualized it, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you, you can like you have to click on the notes, and then you can see. Oh well, people already had right. the same discussion four times, catching yeah. it out. But who wants to look at hundred thousand notes? At least, right. at least on Twitter, you can delete a tweet and it's gone. Tumblr, you, you can't do that. No, it's no forever. Yeah, it's, it's forever. Yeah, well, unless you it. yeah. But I mean, it's it's there's there is it is literally once it once we, once you've posted that it is out of your control. So mm -hmm. it's out. And Tumblr keeps changing it to make it fucking worse. Yeah. Too. Right. So uh, I don't yeah. know what the people behind what the development they, of Tumblr are, doing? are doing or well, what they are drinking so. all the time, but they are doing something weird. <laughs> I don't understand. But it's but either way, it's gold terrible. Star. It's gold a terrible star. platform. Gold star. For this. You tried. You didn't. I don't know. An effort. An effort was made. An effort, an was, effort made. was made. It wasn't a good effort, but it's an effort was made. made. Three point yeah. gold star. <laughs> yeah. It's a Tumblr gold star. Gold star. You tried. Please stop. Yeah, please, yeah. Leave just it alone. Don't Leave change anything alone. else. It's yeah. <laughs> but you're but you're right. You're right. I mean, design design matters. Design mm -hmm. is never neutral, and design matters mm -hmm. so much. Affordances mm -hmm. matter so so much. Mm -hmm. And I remember LiveJournal, and I remember <clears throat> Dreamwith, and and you know, God, Dreamwith Dreamwith afforded so many different kinds of you know. I'm I'm talking about you, but I'm not really talking about you. <laughs> and I have filter for people I like, and a filter for people I like, a filter for people I really like, and nobody else is going to see this thing while I talk shit about all the other people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was 
good though. Yeah, Having those filters was good because I could talk shit about all the people I kind of liked, and they wouldn't see it. And I get it out of my system, and it was fine. Assuming people respected friends. Assuming people respected friends, and there was all those things about that. And it yeah. might be that one time I got a friend's code, and I didn't kind of check in on them from time to time, and that was super unhealthy, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it did the afford no it was the sure. the affordances. The affordances were so much better regarding constraining versus encouraging toxic behavior. Mm -hmm. And the affordances of Tumblr, it's like if you wanted to create a website that would just make everybody as toxic as possible, I don't think you could do better than Tumblr. I I don't think so. Or not much better. I mean... Twitter's I'm, also I'm, super yeah, bad. No, 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 no. We're not even going over no, there. Reddit's a whole different thing. Yeah, it's no, a whole no, different no, no, no. animal. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't. But what what I, what has happened with the evolution of social media? All of these things that DreamWith and LiveJournal afforded us. Out of all of those, what it didn't afford us is the ease of which to become a BNF, right? Mm-hmm. A BN or someone yeah. who's gone viral. Yeah. It yeah. didn't afford us that ease of getting, oh, shit, now I have, now I'm famous. And yep. yeah. Tumblr famous or whatever. Now I have 20,000 yeah. reblogs in yeah. five minutes. And there was no such thing as the attention economy back then. No. It, just, it just didn't no. exist. But, but there, there wasn't any. At least not the same way. Yeah. It was a different attention economy. It was based on reviews and comments and... And like, like and want to read your fic. What is that, that old fandom phrase? Well, yeah. What is that old fandom phrase? It's different. It's different. Yeah. It, it, it was a lot slower. Yeah, it, was it was a lot slower. There's there's old fandom jargon that actually had a word for BNF before it was BNF. Oh. Seriously? Yes. Wow. I didn't yes. Know. What was it? Smoth. Smoth. Oh, no. Smoth is... Secret Masters of Fandom. Uh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, that's, no, that's, that's people. That's, that's people, not, yeah, that's, 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 run, that's people who run cons. There's another one. Oh, there's, okay. there's, there's the uh, Wondaba, Wonder, I don't know that one. Hmm. I have, there was a history of fandom panel I went to at Convergence several years ago that had like people who basically started Minicon, which is... Mm. Old as balls, um, <laughs> and then the people who, and then like the people who are you know starting the anime conventions like this year. So they're all kind of discussing what fandom was kind of doing over those mm. 50, 60 years here. Um, it was a really interesting panel, and he brought mm. up a couple of terms, and I'm like, wow, that's basically BNF, but but not, not yeah, BNF because that was because it was trading in. It wasn't trading in attention; it was trading in. Um, in uh, a kudos, well, basically what what kudos would be, mm-hmm. only it would be like in person kudos and who had and how many people had read your thing, but you had to really work to get people to read your thing because it wasn't the internet; you were mailing stuff out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh and it was just God. really, just really fascinating discussion because to be a BNF, <coughs> you know, even twenty years ago was a lot harder. <laughs> and do you wonder? I I often wonder if part of this. Um, uh, to tying all of this really together is this shift that started, not a shift really, but things that started happening in that you saw BNFs coming out of 15, 10, 15 years ago mm-hmm. who then made the jump to creators. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the yeah. I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about uh, mostly her is who I'm thinking about now, but I mean even, mm-hmm. even right, everybody's favorite current E.L. James and like yeah. all that kind of stuff where you have mm-hmm. people who are, suddenly there was an idea of you could be. You, could you didn't have to hide it. Ultimate, yeah. and you can yeah. attain the ultimate power level, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I had a whole panel on this, like yeah, the other day. Yeah, panel. yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that and that just 
in a really deep way, that kind of changed everything. Yeah. yeah. In, in, well, in like, a lot of really low-key ways, but it just, it, the whole world kind of got rearranged. Because it's not like bad, fans but, didn't no, become but very creators different. before. Yeah. yeah, but you it just was, didn't it was know just like, about it. It was a very different level. <laughs> and you didn't, yeah. you know, have that re- that uh, yeah. that readership beforehand. You didn't, or rather you didn't know about the readership beforehand. And then creators... Who continue to write fan fiction. Who continue yeah. to write fan fiction. Who do Yuletide every year. Mm-hmm. Like, I, at this point, don't see myself not writing fan fiction no matter what. Yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah, it's... it's. But that, then it became this idea of, if I can be that famous super mega fan, the big name fan, and how do you do that by being becoming yeah. popular in the, whatever the, mm-hmm. the social media platform of the day is, and how do you do that by attaining whatever is popular at this point, which is these ultimate purity points and the yeah. ultimate being on the right side of the most powerful ship wars and all of these things. you That's how you climb the fandom power ladder. Um, so I wonder if there was overlap there. And I also think that a part of ship wars <clears throat> and why they continue over and over and over again within the same fandom is that one is that the inability to concede defeat of yeah. giving up and being able to go Okay, you do you, I'll do me, that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is well, that so hard? There pride. are still people fighting the Avatar Blast Airbender ship wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, that ship has sailed! Yeah. Yeah. It's like those islands where people don't know that the war is over. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, guys, it's really cool it's really now. Done. We make cars for each other, it's fine. <laughs> then, then that's the idea of why is it, and this gets kind of to the heart of it, why is it a war? Yes. Like, yeah. Why, yeah. why, why, why at all? Yeah. And not a, you know, you, you ship what you want, I ship what I want. And, and it's not that I may not like it, but you know what? I don't care. Like, I'll yeah, judge you silently. And that's, that's like awesome. that's the other thing. I'll it's judge like I, I love when people get happy about. Fine. Yeah. No, I want to judge you. I love it when people get excited and make things. I might not yeah. like the thing, but yeah, people exactly. getting excited and making yeah. things yeah. is yeah. fandom. Do thing. Yeah. Let's all do it. Yeah. I have a friend who writes the weirdest, the weirdest sex <laughs> pairings <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Crackfix, yeah. Crackships. Apricot the gerbil is who I'm talking about. If you know oh. who that is, I'm Gerbil's beta reader. Um, I have read the weirdest ships on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but that's kind of interesting. That I'm sorry, you have a hand up. Yeah. Um, well, I was just saying. I think this it seems to tie in with this sort of a cultural shift towards the importance of winning and being mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And that. You know, this idea that, you know, second place is first loser. And yeah. It's like, we yeah. can't just coexist. And, and this whole pushback against, you know, participation trophies. I've just uh, that. Um, that oh you know, that, because the fact is, participation trophies, there's nothing damn wrong with it. Because 90% of the world, 90% of everything you do in the world is just showing up. Yeah. So, you know, it's not... Show a, up, do is, the work. You, your job, 90, 90% of the time, is just showing up. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, it is 100% easier to not do a thing. Yeah. Yes. 100% <laughs> easier. So, you know, the, there's a... <laughs> but there's been a pushback against, you know, that and towards the... You have to win. And that ties into, you have to be right. Mm-hmm. And I think that ties into why people are really, you know, can be really... 
complete jerk asses about, no, your ship is totally wrong. They're fictional characters. But also the idea that sometimes they're real. Yeah. Oh, God, don't. Trips. No, oh, yeah. No yeah. RPF. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's not even go there. Those are, okay. okay. I did start there, but let's I not go there. I have a hockey fandom. <laughs> my my family is actually very good friends with a professional hockey player who gets fanfic written about him. I can tell you the peep, the person they're writing fanfic about is not a real person. <laughs> I've met that guy. <laughs> that has nothing to do with what they're writing about. That's an entirely made up person they've got in their head. <laughs> I knew him when he was four. It's really strange. <laughs> But that also gets into the idea of like proving who are and right. who aren't true fans. Yes. yes. Right? Yeah. Right. Of, yeah. Which is what gatekeeping is all about and which yeah. is a pushback in, and has been for decades mm-hmm. in fandom and, and nerd culture and convention spaces is like who's allowed to be here? Yep. Who like how much knowledge is enough knowledge? How much if you how much canon can you know before you pass the quizzes to be able to be a true fan? And do mm-hmm. you ship yeah. the right ships? Yeah, well that's what this becomes so mm-hmm. in traditional, which is generally right white, straight, male, cisgender right. spaces. It's how much canon do you know? Can yeah. you prove these points blah, 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 blah. Right. It's curative fandom. It's, yes, yeah. it's curative fandom. In transformative fandom, which is generally non-cis male-led, mm-hmm. it becomes about things like that, about do you ship the right ships? Do you um, support the right characters? Do you do... And how this mm-hmm. is evolved into this kind of performative, like, do you do the right things? Do you feel the right way? Do you feel the right yeah. ways? Yeah. It's right and it's yeah. much more insidious that you know the right things. You can always know the right things. Changing your feelings about a thing is just so violating. And it also gets yeah. to, like, it, it's fundamentally against what transformative interaction mm-hmm. can be, which is like, mm-hmm. like I will take, I don't, I won't speak for anything else here, but I'll take the sometimes controversial, although I don't feel like it necessarily should be, point of like, sometimes people are going to ship things that are like weird and squeaky and, and bizarre, oh, yeah. or, we'll, yeah. or we'll be interested in exploring dynamics that you're like, ah, oh, if this was real life, maybe I wouldn't be condoning that, but in a space <laughs> of fiction, you, like, I've found more and more that you can't, it's very hard, especially case by case, to, to figure out, to, to make a judgment as to why a person is shipping a particular pairing or exploring a particular type of dynamic. I've, make like I, statements like just don't, I just, these I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, it's, it's, I, I think I've seen a lot of things, this has been happening more and more in a lot of other fandoms because I've seen a lot of stuff about this. You know, the, the idea... And I've had super uncomfortable stuff with this in my own fandom, especially with really close friends of mine. They've really been gone after in an ugly way, and I felt really, really mm-hmm. bad and really angry about it. The the idea that if you're writing about something, you know, especially if it's something sexual, if it's really fucked up, you must like it. Yeah. Like you must think it's a good idea. And and rather than you know the the the, the, the dark fic is just not a thing anymore. Like the idea that I think this is horrible. That horribleness interests me. Yeah. This ship is like, or, but Spuffy is the most fucked up shit. It would be terrible in real life. Cannibal fandom. I no. I've seen it. I can't. It's, it's, it's no, but like, but right, healthy. but right. It's like it, it could never be healthy. It's terrible. It's frightening. You know. The idea that the people who who like it know that and are exploring it in a safe space yeah. Yeah. where nobody gets hurt, where people can really go into some disturbing parts of themselves while still You're retaining their agency, it yeah. you know, that that's that's. Gone. It's like nobody yeah. understands that anymore. That, it ha- that what you ship is inherently you're giving the seal of like this is 100 yeah. percent healthy approval. This yeah. is the kind of relationship I'm looking for, whether it's sexual, romantic, 
platonic whatever. Like, yeah. That is sure what it always is. I write yeah. horror. I really hate that particular aspect yeah. of yeah. Same. things that come out of fandom. Yeah. <laughs> I've written horror, that, you're like, no, I write yeah. horror. You I've know written that, things right. that I like terrify and like I've written things that I like <laughs> had to stop and get up the courage to write the next sentence. It's that right. awful. But I write it because it's worth going to those places in this. The idea of, of fandom and fan fiction as a safe space to explore terrible things, it doesn't fucking exist for these people. Or yeah. it does, and it's used as a blanket statement to excuse like, everything. other things. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 You've got to have a critical lens, and you've got to have some sort of balance too. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. There was a time back in the live journal days where if you ever tried to say something about, you know, I have problems with the power, seeing power dynamics of incest play out. Everybody would jump on you and be the other way. It would be like, you know, how dare you question me, my right to win. Right, right. I don't know if any of you ever read fanfic rants back in the day. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, so there would be some really, really things could get really ugly. Right. So there. there's no middle ground. There's, so no, there's we, no middle ground. Let's yeah. engage things critically, but yeah. not take away anybody's right to explore darkness. And there's nobody can ever touch this ever. And are you, have you been abused? Well, then you have no right to work to talk yeah. about. Or you must yeah. be working out some abuse in your life. Yeah. Or yeah. if you are working through trauma and abuse, that, that, that's still... Right, and that's something wrong with you. Or yeah. you can only write this if you work in abuse. Exactly. Yes. If you write it, you must like it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's yes. just, or if, you must have done it and you must like yes. it. Yeah. Or you think about it and then you actually like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, you, or you believe that it's something that should be... Or you believe it's something good. In real life yeah. to like, uh, They're you know, psychic. They can see into you. <laughs> I, I also want a space to talk about things in a more abstract way, too. Yeah, right. The, the topic that I often get into trouble on is about Slash and about how Slash often erases female characters. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, it can um, be very, very fetishy. And yep. yeah. can be fetishy and all that, but every time that comes up, somebody's like, oh my god, you're attacking me for liking Slash. Yeah. And, like, no, that's not... And, and it's yeah. kind of like, mm. again, having that conversation in a way... So, so I, no, I don't care about what you write. I care about what the Lord, the, the fans, yeah. the Lord, yeah. It's not you specifically. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you. Right. It's like it's like when you talk about white right. supremacy, yeah. and while white people are like, "I'm not a white supremacist," yeah. I'm like, "Well, I know, except you kind of are a little bit." I wasn't. I, I didn't yeah. think so. But now. It's, it's, it's the same exact thing, and I think it's. it's it, I think this is kind of fundamentally like a person yeah. thing. It's like we can't think about things in big picture. It's always you're attacking me. Yeah. Well, and I think that's because we often cast fandom and fans as a monolith. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right? It's the idea that like this is fandom. Like fandom is one thing with one opinion. I get so interesting. I, I think yeah. about because it's how in each individual fan will approach that particular fandom. Mm -hmm. So um, I will approach a fandom two different ways. I'll either watch it, read it, something, see it, whatever, or I will be just scrolling through fan fiction and looking for something to read. Whatever tickles my fancy at that point. Um, and if it sounds interesting, and it's like, see, I never watched NCIS, but there's <coughs> fan fiction that I absolutely love. And the dynamics are completely different. One of them is a poly one, and then the other one is an asexual gender queer. And they're both done beautifully. And one of them is like completely like paranormal in involvement in NCIS, which is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yes. I love it. I love it. 
And Fantastic. So, and I will never watch it. Who's in it? Yet. I don't like that type of stuff. But those two stories are absolutely fascinating. And then it's the first approach, which is how everyone basically does it, is they'll watch something or they'll see it, and they'll be like, oh, let's go take a look and see what it is. Yeah. So, Yeah. There, there are certain fandoms that I have that I love the thing, but I do not engage with the fandom because the fandom yeah. scares me. Yep. Yeah. Well, yep. <laughs> yeah. Every fandom that's more than like five people is going to be like we've. Oh, this is a trash fire. Oh, that's a, yep. yeah. Yeah. They're all trash fires. Ever and ever go back to the original Sherlock Holmes. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. London, yeah. I love Arthur the Sherlock Holmes fandom. Like, go back. I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but seriously, they're Victorians. People went into full mourning for Sherlock. Yep. That's, yep. A, yep. that's commitment. That's like a three-year commitment. So that's not they even... They wore all black for an entire new. year, oh, and then the second year, they still wore black armbands. <laughs> and by the third year... That's when they could start dating and looking at other things again. Like, that's full, like it's a three-year commitment to go into full morning. You know, I love those guys. Oh, Victoria. Elizabeth Alcott got into a ship war with her fandom. Yes, yeah, she did. yeah, she because did. her her fans wanted seriously. Joe and Lori. Yeah. They wanted Joe and Lori yeah. to get together, and they were. I didn't know this. So you know, the Little Woman was released in two parts, and at the end of the first part, she got like all this fan mail about well, what are Joe and Lori going to get together? Oh shit! So upset by this. <laughs> They're not going to get together. Joe's an independent woman. I wrote her to be like a role model and not like some, like, just married lady. And so that's why she paired up Amy, Joe, and Laura, Joe and Amy. This <laughs> white troll. Amy, 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 that's brilliant. That's brilliant. That would be a very different story. That's why she, that's why she paired up Amy and Amy and Lori was, was despite her family. That's so that's awesome. awesome. Oh yeah. my God. There's a, there's, I think it still exists unless it's died in the latest live journal death throws is, um, somebody wrote a ship manifesto. A what? Uh, a ship manifesto? Oh this, this was a, a ship manifesto. Do you remember this? A long essay yeah. on, like, why, why you should love this ship. Why you should love this ship. Usually Wait, there were pictures? And it was no, a, there Thank you for flashing back to the gold age of manifestos. I miss them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been 
process of writing a huge other manifesto about something that nobody even knows about? I, I suddenly wish that, that more of the existence of the stuff we continue now versus the stuff we <laughs> I, I think that AO3 yes. either does or will very soon allow people to post meta. Yeah, they do. Oh, they do already. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. So, yeah. so you might you might find some shit manifestos on AO3. Yeah. <laughs> they take care of us. They, they do. They, they do. take good care of us. Yeah. They do. All right, so we have just a few minutes left. Uh, do we want to actually talk about the title of this, How to Ship? Eh. <laughs> 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 just don't, just... I mean, I feel like we've been kind of covering that in terms no, of what not to do. No, I do. No, I have a method of dealing with, especially Tumblr, um, random hate for things, is I just assume everyone who's talking to me, like, a, like someone who's like 14 or less, is actually 14 or less. And then I feel no need to, to interact with them. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry, you're just 14. If I find out later they're 30, I'm like, mm. <laughs> I did interact with them. <laughs> so I think for me, that's how I deal with, with, with fandom online, is I just assume they're all 14. That's just assume. That's healthy. That's really healthy. It's pretty healthy. Yeah. It's, it's helped me a lot. Because yeah. then, you know, if I, you know, I'm 35. If they're 14 and spewing hate at me, it's literally my job to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to go do adult things over here. <laughs> so, like, that's, that's, I think, the only way that I can manage is just assume that everyone who's trying to talk to me about it is, is 14 mm. or less. Yeah. Sometimes 10. And statistically, <laughs> probably not wrong. All right, statistically, statistically probably, probably not wrong. It's a great quote about um, arguing with people, well, arguing with a certain type of people. That, you know, it's like playing, it's like playing a chess against a pigeon. Yep. Because oh, yeah. no matter what you do, the pigeon is going to crap all over the board. <laughs> run around like you want anyway. So at that point, you and know, steal one of the pieces to put in its nest. I do not need to interact with pigeons. Right. I, my name is not Bert. I do not need to interact with pigeons. Exactly. Um, yeah. One thing I've um, dealt with in my approach for dealing with shipping wars specifically is, especially if two different ships have one mutual character. For example, my original fandom that started me in this whole fan fiction, reading, writing, fall in love with this, I'm committed journey, is Inuyasha. And the two ships, yes, yes, <laughs> the two ships um, are the biggest ones, mm -hmm. I think, in the entire fandom is Inuyasha and Kagome, and then Kagome and Tashomaru. So really? I, oh, yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. old. <laughs> that was not. That was not the ship's I, name. I, <laughs> But love I mean, the idea of Kagome and Shishomaru together. And <laughs> for a long time, I resisted the idea of Kagome and Inuyasha just because um, I felt like how Inuyasha treated Kagome was very abusive the name calling, the put downs, the cheating, the even though they weren't even actually together. You, you, you can't and cheat on someone if you're not actually together. Yeah. And I was involved. I was young when I started in these ships. I was. And working. Yeah, but, no. like you said. <laughs> but my approach was so their mutual connection is Kagome. So when, and at the time I was getting squicky about Inuyasha and Kagome together. So I just like kind of ignored it, did not interact with anyone that shipped them. And then I started, I forced myself to get an open mind, started reading. Some of the more positive fan fiction, I realized I can just set the actual canon aside 
mm-hmm. and embraced the fan fiction, and then we started talking to more people that were shipping in and Kagome, and I made sure that we only talked about Kagome. We <laughs> <laughs> did not talk about the men. We did not yeah. talk about the penises that are, you know, kind of women. <laughs> so... And we bonded over, yeah. but the point is that we bonded over that mutual character. Cool. Mm-hmm. And the aisle. Yeah. Start yeah. pulling out the wands and start fighting like their lightsabers. I don't know that it would have worked in that case, it doesn't sound like, but sometimes threesomes solve one of our problems. Threesomes solve a lot of things. It wouldn't have fixed that one because that would have not worked at all. Not every time. Not every time. But a lot of times, Thurston fixes it. I, yeah, and I think the idea of exploring, um, and also I think the idea of, like, <sighs> exploring shipping as not just, like, a, a sexual or necessarily mm-hmm. like, right. ultimately romantic mm-hmm. thing, but, like, the yeah. idea of just exploring, one. particularly, like, poly mm-hmm. ships right. and, and O23s in the nature of, like, their own distinctive relationships and how they can be brought kind of a bridge and how yeah. we open up, I mean, yeah. maybe a literal bridge, but, like, a... <laughs> Sorry, like a, a an emotional bridge. Yeah, um, yeah. that's another way to think about it. I didn't even realize it. <coughs> if you bond over the mutual character, you can still there's a whole relationship you can create. Put the three of them together without the whole incest background. So, you do it too. I ain't gonna lie. Yes. <laughs> I do too. I do shift the three of them together without the incest background, but it it works. When you think about it, the brothers do complement each other in the fact that Sishomaru can help feed up Inuyasha and make him more mature instead of a 16-year-old boy who I mean, lives asleep for 50 years. Yeah, he's 16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so much you can do with Inuyasha, he's 16. <laughs> um, I would have actually gone Kikyo and Shisomaru. Because that would be a terrifying oh, pair together. That, that is, it that would be is terrifying, and it would be that awesome. Is, that is a no-no. I'm <laughs> terrifying and awesome, and I love... I horror handle, writer. Horror writer. <laughs> right here. <laughs> I can handle that. But, just, no. No. I have a problem when necromancy is brought into the fold. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I would rather actually necromancy sort of thing... That's a tough one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you can ignore the brothers thing, I can ignore the necromancy thing. It's disturbing. It's disturbing to share about because one of my problems was with the original fandom, with the original shipping of Inuyasha and Kikyo, or Inuyasha and Kagome, and then Kikyo was brought into the fold as um, a plot, a plot hurdle or whatever to. Strengthen the relationship between them mm. is the fact that most of them would always choose post Naraku, dead Kikyo, and so and they would have Inuyasha and Kikyo together. We are actually at time. Yeah, we're at time. Nothing but graveyard soil and clay. Yes. We should probably like put this as as like a side com like yeah. This is this is for lobby con. This is for lobby con. Lobby con conversation. All right, thank you all for coming to our late night panel.
And we're back. Uh, I don't I don't know if you guys can can hear this. Again, it's just out the window, but it's really windy and we have the windows open and there's a lot of bamboo outside. It rustles. Anyway, hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, again, I clearly did if you listened, because I think it's pretty obvious from my voice that I had a good time. I fucking love that panel, you guys. I mean, I don't think I've ever really been to a bad panel at WizCon. Well, I wasn't at my best in the one after the night that I stayed up super late and got kind of drunk. I just, I, I was not 100%. I think I'd had about four hours of sleep, but it was still cool. Anyway, I don't think I've ever been to a bad panel at WizCon, uh, but that one was especially fun and again, especially relevant. So I hope you got something out of it too. Uh, I'm not sure when the next couple of episodes of this are going to go up. I'm going to try and get them up as soon as I can, but, you know, life. Um, I'm not doing as much editing on them as I do with some of my other stuff, uh, partly because it just is what it is, and I don't think there's anything ridiculous in any of them. There may actually be another one. I did a panel on moving from being a, sort of a fanish creator to also creating professionally. Uh, it was really cool, I think, that... Uh, at least some of you guys would find it really interesting, but I have not gotten a go-ahead from all of my panelists to go ahead and post it, and I'm not totally comfortable doing it unless I've given them all a chance to be like, hey, you know, I'm not comfortable with you posting this and having total strangers hear it. Probably it's okay, but I want to be polite. But yeah, look for, uh, look for those two, maybe three episodes sometime in the next few days. And hopefully after that, I'll be able to get back to my regular schedule because I was keeping it for a while and I was really proud of myself. And then I slipped away from it, but again, comments. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to shut up and go. Uh, yeah, I'll hopefully speak to you soon. Bye.